Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Cheerleading Junkie. I'm your host, Jill Markley, and today I'm here with the fantastic Shaquem Sones. Thank you so much for being here today, Shaquem. Thank you, Jill. It's really awesome. I've never been a part of a podcast, so I'm excited. <laughs> it should be fun. Um, so before we get too deep into the nitty-gritty of choreography, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? For sure. So uh, my name is Shaquem Sones. I was born in Europe, um, and most of my family is from Greece. Um, I think my little brother is the only person in our family that was born in the States. Uh, we moved here when I was about three, and from then on, pretty much have just been an Atlanta native um, and have lived in Atlanta in the, in the Southeast for a, a large portion of my life. So, so cheerleading, I, um, I started cheering freshman year when I was 14. And before that, I did basketball, tennis, football, baseball. I mean, just about every sport that uh, you know, the average guy does. Uh, and really loved cheerleading and was a part of my high school varsity team, cheered in college after that, and all-star as well. Cool. Fantastic. And then you eventually got into coaching? Yes. Um, well, I, I was coaching long before I um, was done cheerleading and before I was even done in high school. So I started when I was 15, uh, mainly teaching stunt classes and tumbling. and then. I did that at my home gym, Cheer Factory, which was in Metro Atlanta. I shifted at about age 17 to Pro Cheer All-Stars, which is one of the oldest gyms in the country. A lot of uh, my bosses and a lot of the people that coached me, uh, when they were athletes, they were coached by, um, at, at Pro Cheer All-Stars. So I thought that was, that's pretty cool um, that I got to work there go on with how you kind of moved from coaching into choreography? Mm -hmm. oh, okay. So um, after coaching at like a couple other gyms as well, I, well, I guess I never really um, transitioned. I've, I really always did both. So when I, when I started out um, in like 2010, I think my boss, I was working a camp and or he was working at camp and he had to go take care of, I think, a parent or help out a different family at the gym. And he had two more eight counts of his dance to finish. And so he, he looked at me and was like, finish their dance. And I was like, uh, I don't really know how to do that. Um, so that that's kind of how I got tossed into that while I was in high school still. And uh, from there, I worked UCA staff for about eight years and at, with UCA staff, you know, you create extreme routines, which are about a minute long, and you teach a lot of techniques. So you're coaching, but then you also have to take about an hour of every camp to teach, uh, to teach extreme routines, which are just mini routines. So that's kind of like how choreography started for me early cool. on. Do you have a, a dance background or is it all cheer? Or? Um, well, I wasn't the best tumbler when I cheered. Uh, so I, I think that was kind of where, uh, I wanted to like do the most I could for the score sheet. I didn't dance anywhere outside of like my, um, my room <laughs> and like, um, the house, like just, you know, normal, like silly dancing, um, spinning around, whatever, like that all, all kids kind of do, but I wanted to 
okay. help my team out. Um, I was never in running tumbling section, so I took dance <laughs> really seriously at the gym, and I always wanted to do the best I could. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm always telling my kids the dance is not a break, you know, because I feel like when some kids get there, they're like, phew, we made it, you know. So and then they still have to slow down, but cool. Um, so you're now, though, are you coaching any teams right now or you're like strictly doing choreography or? Yeah, so I, I'll guest coach around like here and there, everywhere, kind of. I've done that. Um, basically since the choreography season ended which is normally around November but um really it's just mainly choreography and um working on my masters in marketing um at Mercer University right now so oh yeah and i don't know if you mind um me asking you this but i know that you're doing a trip soon uh which i found really inspirational i don't know if you'd mind talking about that it's yeah sure so that um, came about just from my, uh, my professor it sent out an email about um, a Mercer on Mission, which, which is just a, a program where they do a bunch of different mission trips um, throughout the year. And I was surprised that that was still going on just with the like, state of the world right now. But they had a mission trip to um, their sixth trip to Rwanda in December. and so. Um, I found out about that and that they were going to do another one in May. And it's about a two week trip where you go and you work with one of the programs that has been helping um, survivors of the Rwandan genocide, um, particularly female survivors, um, get skills in entrepreneurship and management. Um, they've been trying to build a a more corporate um, infrastructure for 10 years now. And so Mercer University par has partnered with them. Um, and, you know, we get to go over there as marketing students and, you know, just be a part of the awesome work that they're doing and do our best to help out. I think that's so cool. Anytime, I, you know, you have the opportunity to give back, I think is just amazing. And, and I think it's great that you're doing that. It's really impressive. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, learning way more than I can than I could even imagine giving over there. So that's that's the part that really uh, that pumps me up. Just having that experience. It's, to me, one of one in a lifetime kind of experience. Yeah, for sure, sure. Um, so actually, I connected with you or I discovered you as a choreographer because of something else you were doing that I think was incredible, um, which was you cut all your rates for choreography when COVID started, right? So all of us cheer coaches and gym owners know choreography is one of the biggest expenses that we have, right? And um, this year was extraordinarily hard because you had less kids because of restrictions and you have, you know, even kids who, who are too afraid to come back to the sport. And so trying to find ways to save money and things like that um, for us was difficult, but you had uh, a great offer, you know, where you, you cut all your rates. So I know we brought you in and we've loved our routines. It's one of my favorite routines I've ever coached in my 20 year history of coaching. Actually, I love how it uses the floor. How do you, how do you do that though? How do you walk into a gym cold like that? you know, and then boom, you create this amazing work so quickly. Wow. Um, I think that 
Well, a lot of practice. I think that when I when I go back to um, just coaching, like it, it, a lot of it falls back on coaching and being, you know, coaching for 14 years. I've worked with so many different types of kids uh, throughout the years. And when I was coaching a lot, I was mainly doing three or four teams every year. Uh, one year I did five teams. So really, you know, that's 115 different chances to figure out how a kid needs to learn and also figure out, um, you know, all, each of those kids limitations or potential for growth. And so really falling back on just my experiences as a coach, um, it's, it's huge for choreography um, in terms of teaching mm-hmm. and being able to connect with each athlete with the more technical side. Um, I, when I was when I graduated, I would say this is maybe my this will be my seventh year doing choreography. Um, uh, I started about ten years ago with smaller routines, but in terms of all star, this would be my seventh year doing that. And I think there was just a lot of practice for the first five years where um, I would work with the team and try to do the things that I I had seen before and really loved. So if I saw a moment at a competition and I was like, wow, that part of that routine took my breath away, I wanted to try and recreate it um, and then put my own spin on it or make it better. Um, And really just having a deep love for the sport is another thing I think that you have to have if you're going to, if you're going to do choreography, because, um, if you're not thinking about it all the time, then trying to create anything gets really, really tough. It's like, uh, I think it's like coaching. If I'm only coaching two times a year, then, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm pretty nervous when I'm about to go into my first practice in six months. Um, and it, it takes yeah. extra work, but we can all relate to that after quarantine, I think, because we all, everybody was kind of like, <laughs> doing nothing for a long time (laughs) yeah I know it was like felt like a shell shock I know when quarantines happened it was like a shock to the system because you have cheerleading 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 and then nothing you know (laughs) so it was a lot at the time Um, but it's getting better so that's good do you have like a favorite level or team that you like to coach yes for sure um I think my favorite division is definitely youth one. Um, And I think mainly that's because of the experiences I had at competitions. Like we would, there were some teams that were so, so hard to compete against. Um, And and one of those is like ATA neon. Um, And I had a good, a good friend that coached that team, Cody Schaefer. And we always had, had a blast competing against each other. I think that, there are some teams that are like internationally known, like Kitty Cats. Anytime I would be within a point of uh, beating that cheer athletics team, you know, it was it was something I was really looking forward to competing against them. Just some of the best teams in the country it, are in Youth One, in my opinion. Um, I also feel like working with those kids, it's amazing that they can go from not being able to do a high V emotion or not being able to. Um, you know, do a back bend or the simplest of skills. And then by the end of the season, they're able to go full out eight times in a row (laughs) 
which we did a couple of times on my teams and um, they're, you know, they, they can outpace me. They can, they can run faster than me by the end of the season. There's just so much progress. It's amazing to watch. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, I kind of like minis for the, for similar reason, you know, you start the season with mini and they don't even know what a high V is and can't get it. It takes forever, but then they get it and then they want to show you all the time. I have my high V or I have a forward roll, you know? So I kind of like, that's a fun level for me. Oh yeah. Um, what are some challenges that you've seen in choreography this year or, or like, cause I know we got an email from you partway through the season saying, Hey, do you need it cleaned up? You know, which we were all like, yes, but we don't know how to get out of this mess. You know what I mean? But do have you seen like <laughs> challenges this year than, you know, than normal? Yes. The, the craziest thing I've seen, I think, or not crazy, it's just something that never usually happens um, to the magnitude or scale that's happening this year is, you know, I'll watch the routines that we did and I'll see maybe three or four holes in there, you know, just cause kids are quarantined or kids are <laughs> like, you haven't had a full team of practice in five or six weeks. Um, I think that that was uh even choreography, right? Like there were yes. imaginary kids that I never met um with the 60 teams I worked with last year there were <laughs> there were probably about 100 kids that didn't come to choreography across those teams uh I mean, probably more than that so I got wow. I got really used to not seeing a full team <laughs> at choreography <laughs> wow yeah yeah I, I think I know our routine that you did for our team our open team um you did it for 15, but I don't even know if they were all there at the time, but then we went down to eight, back up to 10, you know, down again. Now we're back up at 12 just because of all the quarantine and people who, you know, couldn't keep going for whatever reason. So it's been wild. <laughs> yes. And that's, I think that's every team that I've, I've uh, not, not even just worked with, but seen. Um, I feel like when I was doing choreography, I got really good at putting my shoes out as people. And like my imagination was so strong. So I had, I had my left shoe. She would, that would be Susie in a formation and my right shoe would be <laughs> Melissa. Um, and I think coaches have gotten really good as well at, at filling in, um, making changes. One of the things that I, I noticed um, just with fit, like addressing those challenges would be, um, you know, one, one team that I work with, throughout the year, they have their best base on the team, not in a stunt group um, on purpose. So they're kind of like a utility player and that that base that's on the team has competed three times in, in a stunt group, right? So when a kid gets quarantined or a kid can't be in the routine, that, that the best stunner on the team who's not in any groups goes in for the, to fill in and they make it, they make it work. So I thought that was a really creative thing that I saw. Oh, that is cool. I didn't even consider something like that. Interesting. Yeah. It's certainly been really, really difficult. Um, would you have any like, and, and I think too, um, a lot of coaches don't, maybe don't, it's not that we don't understand choreography or, you know, but I just feel like me personally, I draw kind of a blank when it comes to putting something in. Like, would you have any 
tips for coaches, for example, something like that? Like how, how could you change your thought process, you know, to be more creative, I guess. Right. Well, I think in terms of thought process, one of the things that I've seen other coaches be really great at and choreographers is just not getting, well, two, there are two, two ways to think about it for me. Uh, my, my biggest problem as a coach is that I'm stubborn. And when someone <laughs> gives me something, I, I feel like I should be such a good coach that I can make it work. Um, and that, and so regardless of what I'm given, I want to make it work. If the athlete can't handle it, I want to build that athlete up to where they can, they can handle it. And I think that's, that's one of the problems. Um, if you're trying to make changes, you know, you kind of have to be okay with scrapping, right? Like balling up your crumpling, your paper, throwing in the, in the wastebasket and starting over. Um, the other I mean, one, one really thing, I, I, honestly, the best advice I would give to anyone this year is to try out alternates, um, try to have a flyer that's, you know, on the bench, if you're thinking about basketball or football or really almost any other sport there is, you know, have athletes that are on the bench because when you have your flyer that's gotten quarantined, then you can put your flyer that's on the bench in and maybe she doesn't do every single difficult skill, but you know, it's enough to get through that competition that weekend. And if you have a couple a, a base and a back spot that are alternates, um, when, when the base is injured or when they're out, then you have someone to, to go into that spot and the entire team doesn't, um, you know, have to be in such a tough position and the choreography can stay the same. Yeah, that's a good idea. I know um, I've in the past shied away from alternates. Um, and I think in part because at least in my high school program, I have a JV. And so I always felt like, you know, oh, I want to keep training them, keep training them, you know, but definitely alternates probably saved a lot of <laughs> routines and competition this year. So, um, But I agree with what's another point you made too about being stubborn. I feel like it, I am stubborn sometimes too, for like, for example, the dance that we, you did for our team, I loved it. So I didn't, I didn't want to change it. And it's been a little, <laughs> you know, like, am I being crazy? But it's, I love it. So you kids are going to figure out how to make it happen. You know, we're going to work together. We're going to try to nail it, you know? Um, so I, I can see how it's easy to get that tunnel vision, you know, and it's hard to step out of it sometimes. So oh, cool. So what I do for that is I always have, um, you know, outside eyes looking at it. So I take a video and I send it to my, the three coaches that I think are, you know, the best. And they, they will, I ask, Hey, give me notes on everything. And when they send me back those notes, um, if I got the same three notes from three different people, then that's when I feel better about making changes. <laughs> uh, that's a good idea, actually should rely more on our network for sure. Um, so when you're building these routines, uh, I know one thing my kids always ask me before we bring in a choreographer is, you know, I want to be in the front or, you know, I want to be the center dancer, but how do you really decide how to put them there? You know, like, do you just get a, a sense of the athlete or, you know, how, how do you do that? Well, one, the first thing I do is, try to have longer sessions than like 
most people do. Um, when I studied dance in in college at Kennesaw State, I was a part of their dance program. And the biggest thing that I learned from there is that, you know, if you're choreographing a musical or you're choreographing um, a dance routine like the Nutcracker, those choreographers are there. They're um, they're living on campus or in the in the within the studio for months, um, and they're working to put the piece on on the uh, performers, if that makes sense. And so, in that process, you know, you okay. you really get to learn way more about who you're working with, and you get to know exactly who's right or wrong for each place. Uh, and that's more in, in, you know, Broadway type of settings or really big uh, places where they have a budget for it, you know, for, for that type of deal. Um, when it comes to cheerleading or even just school dance or, you know, competitive uh, travel league, um, anything where there's performance involved, we have a, we have a lot less time, right? Obviously. So, what I try to do is take, you know, I could get a routine done in eight hours. Um, I could teach what they're going to do. And, you know, I could I could be done. I try to push it towards 12 or 14 hours so that I have more time to assess the athletes and then give them the choreography. Or so I have time to change things, see something that doesn't work after a few times and then scrap it and come up with what's best for the athlete. Yeah, I did notice that as one thing that was different um, with you and some of the other choreographers was the amount of time, you know, that you spent with the kids, um, which was kind of nice. I think they appreciated it as well. You know, so I think they just felt like they got more out of it because um, most choreographers, like you said, I've had people come in and do six hours or eight hours is probably the average. And I, I think we did three days of like four hour sessions or something with you. So it was nice. And it was nice that it was spread out, too. I liked how you did that as opposed to one super long day, <laughs> you know, um, although you did super long days cause you did like three teams a day or something. <laughs> for, for sure. So, and that, and I think that translates into, you know, where those athletes go because it's a lot easier to, to make the right decisions. Um, for the most part though, I, you know, I, I trust the coaches um, if they tell me that a kid should be somewhere, then I'll go with that. Um, but I know a lot of coaches also want me to decide for them because there's so much bias involved and um, and just feelings. So when I'm when I have to decide, yeah. and the the things that I do look at are, you know, how does an athlete react to failure? So if I'm if I do a dance move or give them emotion that's hard for them, if they are practicing and working at it if they're focused if they don't shut down then I'm like that kid is going to be able to grow into the role and I feel better about bringing them towards the front and the center which are the most important places on the floor from where the judges sit if if that athlete's getting overly embarrassed or isn't willing to try um, then I try to give them more simple roles things that they can handle so at the end of the day that's kind of how I decide where they go in the routine if that makes sense yeah it does and actually um 
it brings up a question to me. So usually I don't, I'm one of the coaches that's like, you decide, but not because of, you know, hurting Sally Sue's feelings or something like that, but more because I'm worried it affects your creative process if I'm taking too much control. So is that maybe like a wrong assumption that I'm making? Um, I think that, well, there are two ways to create really. I mean, there's, um, and I try to mix both of those. The, to me, the first way is to have an idea that I've um, molded and created, right? Like if I've, if it's an analogy of a house, I've, I've added, uh, you know, decor and um, like night tables and I've put paintings up inside that house and it's very detailed. So I know exactly what I want and that's before I come in, right? So if I've done that, then um, it does get hard to make changes based on, you know, who should be where, but the, the other way is, you know, to come in and, and really just assess what's in front of you and um, build creativity that way. So if um, Sally is in the right, all the way on the right side of the floor for her stunt group, and we want her in the center of jumps, then to me, you know, I want that. Pro- I, I like that because now I can be creative about finding out how to get her from over here to the middle. Um, and I think sometimes that can create more creativity. Uh, just having being forced to do something um, that maybe I wasn't wasn't planning on creates you know it's a problem that I have to solve now, and that's creates uh, newness. So I guess it just depends on you know who you're working with and how how they're approaching the session and the process. Have you ever had a coach like request something just crazy that you were like, no, 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 (laughs) or, you know, and then had to like either work around their crazy idea or just talk them down, you know? Man, I don't know. I think, uh, I think that the, the more, no, I don't, I'm always down for an idea. I honestly am when the harder part is when, um, you know, coaches might say no a lot Um, when every kid can't handle something or every kid isn't able to do something um, that that's a little bit more limiting and maybe causes a a bigger issue than someone who's like, Hey, let's try this. You know? Cool. So you would tell coaches to side of, be more open to possibility, I guess. Yes. Right. Like I think that every coach has, you know, what they're good at and, and what they, uh, what they focus on in cheerleading. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I understand, you know, if you're a great tumbling coach, then maybe the stunts, you don't want your stunts super hard. Um, But I think, and that's not what I'm talking about. I think when sometimes I think a coach might have their team and, when coaches don't believe in their team and don't believe in their kids, that's kind of more of what I'm referencing. That that's a problem for me to, in terms of creativity. Yeah, that's a that's a sign. Maybe you're ready to retire. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe. Hang up the pom <laughs> uh, And I'm like, hey, it's fine. 
I, like call me and I'll I'll FaceTime in whatever. Like <laughs> if you need help, we'll make it work. So yeah, for sure. Um, so just getting back to that, if an athlete does want to be a front row dancer, um, you know, what would you advise to them? Like I've heard some coaches in the past say, you're not a tumbler, you're in the, you know, tumbling gets the front row, but I've got some great talented kids who don't, but they're probably never going to tumble. You know, it's just the reality. Right. So what, what would you advise for them so that they can advance? Yes. Um, I was like six, three and what literally looked like a toothpick when I cheered I had no control of my, my body parts. So I was back row dancer for a really, really long time. Um, and what I did to get up into the front row by my last year, I was so proud of myself because I got up to the front row is I really just stayed focused during choreography. I um, was always eyes on the choreographer. And even if it wasn't my part that I was learning, I was basically tuned in so that when it was my turn, I knew what was going on and I was uh, attentive and ready to go. So being mindful during choreography is probably the biggest way to inch yourself up towards the front row. Um, when I learn something during choreography, I practice it. And if I'm messing it up, then I keep practicing it. So during water breaks, um, when, they're work when the choreographer is working with someone else, I'm not going to wait for my turn, I'm practicing what I've already learned. And then the, I think the biggest thing for me was just saying thank you to the choreographer, saying hi and bye at the beginning and end, um, and asking questions um, about the routine or just about them and kind of opening up communication because if I figured, and now that I've choreographed, I think if you, st if you stand out in that way, in a positive way, in a focused way, where you're listening and you show interest, then, you know, usually kids get rewarded for that. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. Make that personal connection, right? That's what a life lesson too, not just I, a cheer lesson. I think. I agree. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So if somebody, um, like a coach or, uh, I know you met my daughter, Nessa, who is a coach and a retired NCA staffer, but if she wanted to go into choreography or someone like her, how would you advise that they like pursue that career? It just seems to me it's unclear how to become a choreographer for cheer. Yeah. So I would first say find a job that can support <laughs> getting <laughs> ready. Um, and, you know, support, because it, it really does start out as so much of a hobby. I mean, there were, I think, honestly, for maybe five years, I, you know, maybe made like less than 10 cents an hour. If you count up all of the time that I put into it, you know, it doesn't start yeah. out, out as a job. Um, I, man, I think for... Okay, so steps. The first thing I would do is, you know, watch your choreographers during their sessions. Um, try to figure out their process and what they're doing and, mm -hmm. um, and help, right? So if your choreographer teaches motions, um, do those motions for the kids and teach them so you can kind of practice um, showing the kids and teaching them and then correcting them because that's a big part of choreography. But then also learn the process that, that they're using. And from there, I think that for me, 
Um, one of the biggest things I did was was taking dance classes. Um, I started those about four years ago just because I wanted to attack my weakness. Um, I was great with stunts. I could put a stunt sequence together. Transitions weren't bad. And um, for even tumbling and creative moments, I was great with that. And I did that for seven years. Um, when I started taking dance classes, it made a really big difference. And where I think a lot of choreographers that I talk to today, they're like, oh, I, I dread the dance when I get to that part. But you know, just being in, in those classes and learning from a, a wide array of different sources, I feel like that made me a lot stronger there. And I, I don't consider it my weakness anymore. And I think I'm a lot more open to opportunities now. The last thing I would do is choreograph anything you can. Um, choreograph your recreational team, you know, the one that, or a sideline team, your rec team, your half-year team. Um, choreograph your tinies and minis. Choreograph on paper with X's and O's. Get in front of a mirror and make up dances. And then watch a lot of cheerleading. Watch a lot of your favorite routines. Um, <laughs> become a fan. and make a routine for it. So I probably for five years now, I'll watch either 30 minutes or an hour of cheerleading a day. And I go back to the 1990s. I go to the 2000s, 2010s. I watch what's popular today. Um, and then I watch anything that can inspire me too. So musicals or um, documentaries on dance programs. Cirque du Soleil. I love going to Cirque. So anything movement-wise, I'm watching it. Cool. That's probably really good, really good advice for someone. So um, wrapping it up, I have just like one more question for you, um, which is basically, um, you know, how would someone, if they wanted to hire you, find you? And if I can just give a personal endorsement, like like I said, we thought you were absolutely fantastic and i i know i felt it was a little risky because we're from massachusetts and i'd really never heard of you before and i think the first words we said to you when you came in the gym was like we just want our kids treated right because some choreographers can be a little rough on you know some of the kids and we love our kids in our gym um and your positivity you're so approachable your manner and then the routine that we got out of it we just we all loved it so we thought it was just fantastic so how would someone find you today to hire you? Um, well, for the most part, I book through social media. So definitely Facebook, um, a lot of the groups, and a lot of referrals as well. Um, but I, I, I do take a lot of emails too, so... Really just searching me on Facebook would be a great way, I think. Uh, and okay. if you're in Facebook groups like ASGA or um, Cheer Coaches Corner, so I usually stay pretty active in those because I like to know what's going on everywhere in cheerleading. Um, and it's like my daily social media check there as well. <laughs> so uh, really just social media right now. Uh, and I'm searching that would be a good way to find me. All right, cool. And we can make sure when we post these that we post links to your 
Facebooks, so everybody knows how to do it um, or knows how to spell your name. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, actually the cheer coaches corner page, that's kind of what inspired me to start a podcast is uh, like, I love the questions and people looking to help each other and stuff. And I just thought if I can just bring these experts together, we can maybe, you know, help people out a lot. So, so I really appreciate your time. I appreciate your calling in today. That's it. I don't know if you have anything you want to say, like, closing I don't know but oh no I just said this was a lot of fun oh good <laughs> yeah I, it went by so fast it was a lot of fun I thought um yeah I looked down at the clock and it was six o'clock and I was like whoa <laughs>